don't give it like a the podcast platform of the Phenomenalist by Leopold Lambert. Today, the politics of space and time in Brasilia with Antonadia Borges. Hello everyone, today my guest is uh, Antonadia Borges, who is uh, a professor in anthropology at the University of Brasilia, as well as a researcher for the CNPQ, which is a national research council in Brazil. And uh, today we're going to talk about the, the politics of space in Brasilia. Uh, hello Antonadia. Hello. Um, so maybe before before really starting to engage uh, the politics of Brasilia, could we maybe just have a small um, a small digest of uh, your, your work that you've been doing in compari- comparing a situation in Brazil and in South Africa? Because I, I think that's, that's also fascinating and we, we could have had an entire conversation about it, but since since I, I wanted this uh, Latin American series to be pretty specific to mm-hmm. this place uh, we're recording and we're going to talk about Brasilia today but please if if you could tell us in a few minutes uh, uh, this relationship with uh, South Africa that'd be be great No, um, I'm doing some research in South Africa and uh, as well as here my interest there is uh, to understand how forced removals and state intervention in daily life is uh, um, built and um, how it is uh, connected to racism and segregation. So I do some research there in environments that you could uh, approximate to what uh, are favelas in Brazil, or we call it here conjuntos habitacionais. So these planned places, uh, you must be, you must have heard about the. Um, Minha Casa Minha Vida, this project that the, the, the government has recently launched. And uh, in South Africa, there have, there, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, in South Africa, the, the uh, projects like that, they, they have been on the road since the 50s. So exactly after the apartheid, um, segregation was, um, was, uh, completed through architecture. There are lots of literature on it, but basically basically, urbanization was very important to guarantee segregation, racial segregation. And uh, in Brazil we have a parallel, we had a parallel movement. So if you look to the statistics since the 50s and 60s, the Brazilian population has shifted from rural areas to urban areas. And part of the planning in Brazil has been always um, a solution found in uh, segregation. So either you have favelas, which are seen as unorganized, as filthy, as dangerous, uh, moral (laughs) and hygienic talking about it. Uh, And the solution presented to solve these social issues has been always uh, pushing people to the outskirts of the city. And uh, I really think that there are many parallels between Brazil and South Africa. 
uh, although in South Africa the racist discourse was um, part of the state politic, politics, it was open. And here in Brazil, it's undercover, you know, even today. You know, it's a very racist country, but we don't talk about this issue as much as we need it. And Brasilia is um, um, singular in Brazil, so there is no other place in Brazil like Brasilia. But at the same time, it's, from my point of view, the place where you find uh, segregation and racism in a... Um, in a, in, a, in a way that it's so stark that you cannot, uh, being in Brasilia, you know, like you are now, uh, not recognize that Brazil is segregated, it's an eco and it's racist. So this is the parallel. I see. Uh, well, so let's, let's talk about Brasilia specifically. Um, uh, as I was telling you when we were preparing this conversation, uh, I am really unaware of uh, how much people know about it because in, 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 when you're being trained in architecture you, you learn about it very quickly as being a city uh, uh, constructed from nothing uh, from scratch or as we will see <laughs> not from scratch not from scratch it, yeah. it's not, that's kind of the, the mythical uh, the mythical original uh, 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 discourse of, of uh, uh, you know it's, a, it's like in Palestine it's a the, 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 uh, a land without people for people without no man's land yeah, yeah. without land uh, but uh, but so we, we're going to talk about that um, but uh, yeah in architecture we, we we learn about it we see it in comparison as well with uh, Chandigarh and the, the capital of Indian mm -hmm. Indian Punjab uh, as it was uh, designed both at the urban scale and at the architectural scale by Le Corbusier in the case of Brasilia, it was a, the, the urban design was done by Lucio Costa, and there and the, the a lot many of the architecture by at least the, the most important building for the for the state by Oscar Niemeyer. Uh, but so there's there's something and so uh, uh, it's something that happened in the 50s and in the six, in 1960 uh, Brasilia became the capital of Brazil. But there's something very particular about. Uh, as a city is that it became capital of the country four years before uh, the military dictatorship started so maybe going through a little bit of history here I would like to ask you to describe to us a little bit this, uh, this uh, ambiguous period of time and also if uh, the fact of having a design of a, of a so holistic like the Lucio Costa designed the entire city and when you look at the plan of the city, you understand how it is controlled by one transcendental entity and I, I'm very curious to ask you uh, how much the fact that it was such an organized city was helpful for the dictatorship to, to rule from, from there, which because I, I would suspect it, it had a tremendous consequence, politically speaking Yeah um, Yeah, if you uh if you were an architect, you heard about Brasilia, uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. And but uh, what we don't take into consideration is that Brasilia was built on the top of a land that was uh, taken from people. And I think the violence started exactly there because it's like. A, a renovation of what happened when the Portuguese came to the coast of Brazil in yeah 500 years ago, 
So there were various indigenous groups living here. They were the owners of this land and their history as well as their bodies have been completely obliterated during this um, uh, um, occupation, state occupation. Uh, so the state bought uh, land from landowners who have grabbed this land from indigenous groups and uh, Juscelino Kubitschek has built, you know, he had this idea of building this um, the, the president in yes. the 1950s, right? Yeah. Yes, he, 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 he built Brasilia. And um, what, what is really um, remarkable about this uh, transition, this move from Rio to Brasilia, is that the, some of them, they uh, surely had a, a, a totalitarian, although for, for them maybe leftist dream of having... Uh, the state in the heart of the country, but uh, they came to Brasilia with uh, their own bodies and mentalities, you know, from a colonial place like Rio, you know, and um, and um, it, it didn't take long, less than four years, as you mentioned, to the military coup. So when Brasilia was being uh, solidified, when Brasilia was being, as Niemeyer used to say, colonized and occupied, when people from Rio, Sao Paulo, they were moving here to, to work for the state, and people from all over the northeast and north parts of Brazil were, were here building and doing the, the, the hard work, you know, um, we, we had the coup. And Brasilia uh, experienced um, dreadful, very violent removals. So to have the, the planned, clean you know, uh, city we have today, uh, all uh, workers who were living around, building the town, they, they were displaced to surrounding satellite cities, which are like 30 k's from here. Uh, which is a problem until nowadays because uh, transport is a major issue in Brazilian politics nowadays. And if you look to what the militaries have done in, during the, the three decades that they have been in power, um, um, most of it has to do with um, lack of information about their daily behavior, their daily tactics. And part of it is... Uh, absolutely connected to the fact that they were here. So uh, there was no way to know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and um, part of the uh, strategy to, to, uh, to improve the terror uh, has to do with all these movements against guerrillas and uh, all this stuff. So if you, if, you, if you look to the literature, Brasilia was a kind of a hub to different points of Brazil where the state has arms of terror. You know? so, and sure, it was not uh, on uh, the social media, it was not even on TV, so you didn't have the image. So Brasilia was this place where anything could happen because it was so far away, it was from the far west. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah, so it's not a coincidence that um, Brasilia um, did work 
So if you if you look back, you can always think about Chandigarh, for 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 instance, where uh, it's it's a different place. It's not like Brasilia. So if you come here and you do realize that the plan, the modernist plan, had worked. Uh, it has to do with the amount of violence that was used to, to, to build this architectonical model. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I have to say, I've never read uh, any text of uh, like either Costa or Niemeyer on this topic, but it's interesting how uh, quite often uh, architects and urban designers like that are um, imagining and designing schemes, but they're not they're not ready to uh, embrace the violence that those schemes are actually uh, uh, representing. And mm -hmm. so it's very interesting to see, like, uh, you know, we always talk of Nimeir as, like, a, being a member of the Communist Party, yeah. and, uh, the designing the Communist Party uh, uh, headquarters in Paris. And, uh, and But at the same time is that if they're, they're, what they needed what they needed for the city to, to exist as they were thinking of it. Uh, uh, and again, in that case, it might be more cost as an email, but uh, 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 they, they necessitated, necessitated this violence from, their, from, the, yeah. from the militaries to, to make it work. So it's, I find that uh, fascinating to, to see how, uh, I mean, in that case, how extreme and how literal uh, the violence of, of space and the, the organization of space had it been sought has been implemented by a regime that probably uh, Costa and Ymir were, were Aware. despising no but also uh, discursively despising yeah discursively yeah. And, and probably uh, uh, I mean we're not saying that they, they were hypocritical or anything but somehow the unconscious implementation of violence of their plan mm -hmm got uh, uh, um, implemented through the military order, so I, I, find, I find that very fascinating. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah um, um, uh, later, uh, you, earlier you were talking about the univers university campus, it's open, no? Mm -hmm. but um, that's exactly where violence is in Brazil. It's open, but you do have um, um, transparent walls. You know, because if you are black and if you are poor and you approach the campus, I'm quite sure the security guards will go and catch this person. Mm. It has happened lots of times. So I really don't know what, what is more violent if to have like a, a security system for everyone, you know, like you have to check in before you get into the campus, for instance, or to have this selective uh, kind of um, um, yeah system. Mm. Uh, so and um, I uh, last year I did some um, uh, research in Ceilândia among uh, young people who are in school and they want to go to the university, they want to come here, and they were so scared the first times they came here to the campus, and we we got the experience of going to the vice chancellor's building. And it's an open space. I go there anytime I want. But because I went there with a bunch of kids from the periphery, uh, the guards the guards came to us and they almost um, uh, get rid of us in a very violent way. 
So that, that's what is unconscious in Brazil. And it has lots to do with the military dictatorship, you know. So something was there, but it was not talked about. Mm. And uh, so you just mentioned the, the nearby town of Selangia. Selangia, yes. Can you tell us more about it? Because even as you were telling me, the name of it is incredibly violent. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because nowadays people from Selangia, they have appropriated this name and they are really uh, not just proud of it but they have made it a, a political flag because Ceilândia, the first three letters C-E-I it's an acronym for Campanha de Erradicação de Invasões uh, Campaign to Eradicate Invasions which means favelas so. and uh, so it's the, the land which was uh, uh, built, you know, the, 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 the quarters built to uh, accommodate people who were removed from Brasilia, from where Brasilia is, in the early 70s, so 72, 73. So you have, um, you, you have um, the government at that time, they have even recorded you know, uh, in uh, films this removal, so you have the archives with all these trucks loaded uh, with people and their stuff moving to this, um, like um, a land of dream, you know, where there were schools and hospitals and everything, very, very similar to other processes in Latin America. Uh, and uh, something I wanted to ask you as well is uh, also in comparison to Chenigar, which I, I'm actually a little bit more familiar with because I've been there twice and uh, lived in India for a little bit. Uh, uh, and um, there's something particular to Chenigar that I'm, I'm curious to know if it also happened in, uh, in Brasilia, uh, which is, uh, and based on what you just said, I have an idea that it might have not happened. Uh, in Chenigar, uh, there was also, before they built uh, this new city, there was also a few uh, agricultural villages uh, uh, that got expropriated from their, from their agric mm -hmm. agricultural land, but managed somehow to um, keep the ownership of the village itself, the, mm -hmm. the dwelling uh, uh, territory. And so the city got built around them. And they were given like a they were given a square basically in their uh, in the grid in the grid of the Corbusier uh, uh, and actually more than a square I should say a diamond in the fact that it, it actually is rotated compared to the to the grid and so obviously those villages could not grow any further than this diamond and um, and they did they did grow until the very limit they could and they grew in a height as well and they became this incredibly rich. Uh, quite chaotic neighborhoods in the middle of a hyper-controlled grid that Le Corbusier thought about uh, design. Um, so I'm thinking in particular of this uh, village of Burel, uh, which when, when you look at her, when you look you know, at Google Map or something like that, you're just fascinated to see uh, the grid. Uh, uh, I, mean, I don't know, think of the plan of Manhattan to, to compare it with it. And, and within this grid, like a sort of... Uh, Casbah uh, of labyrinthine mm -hmm. little streets and uh, and uh, having uh, also also with uh, the entire myth of crimin criminalization of the population uh, and 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 uh, and uh, so a sort of uh, 
a sort of neighborhood where uh, you enter at your own risk. The police is not operating because they they, are, they actually have a pretty good uh, organization, from what I understand, in, in self policing. Uh, and a very strong sense of community with like uh, even though there's a lot of migrants that come in from from Punjab or India uh, and um, and so so you really have this very very strong contrast between both and so I, I was wondering if it was the same in Brasilia if somehow the grid I mean it's not as much a grid I mean it is a grid but uh, it's not a square based city it's more of a Bird, a bird-based city with two big wings. Uh, if if there's been some similar um, processes of disruption of the of the grid by immanent architectures, or or not so much. Yeah, it's interesting because here in Brazil you have the the surrounding uh, cities, no, and um, um, if in Plano Piloto the 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 airplane or the bird model, uh, we have like two. 200,000 inhabitants maybe. In the surrounding area you have almost 3 million people living. So, And in some places there are at least two very known places now because they are on the media and um, they have no infrastructure yet uh, called Sona Senchi and Porto Sol. It's interesting because it's sunset and sunrise. And um, uh, these places, they 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 are around Brasilia. As I was telling you, it's very hard to move from these uh, uh, satellites to downtown, to where Plano Piloto is. Is at least you need at least uh, six reais to travel daily. So it's like three three U.S. dollars yeah. more or less. And um, and it's not just money; it's uh, movement. So it's social movement, no movement of your body, of your skin color, and everything. And um, uh, but inside the plano piloto, uh, any attempt to build a, ch- a shack, any attempt to 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 transgress the plan, is violently repressed. Uh, some years ago. Um, a new neighborhood was built um, mostly um, out of law. Uh, this sector is known as Nordeste. So we, we, in Brasilia you had the North Wing, the South Wing, Sudoeste, Southwest, uh, and there was the Northeast sector. But the Northeast sex- sector was very close to the national park where you have uh, water streams, uh, where you have native uh, vegetation, native uh, um, animals and everything. Of course, the one of the, the main politicians in Brasilia, uh, who was the former vice governor, uh, he owns land. He, he and his uh, buddies they they are they they own like eighty percent of the territory, so this guy and his friends they push uh, the project to build this Nordeste sector. Some tall towers very close to Plano Piloto, and very close to the national park. Uh, and when they went there, they got to know that there was there an indigenous village and called Santuario dos Pajés, named afterwards. So there was a huge battle, a very long, maybe 
six years of battle between this uh, small group of indigenous uh, people from different ethnic groups who have gathered together in this area and this uh, building contractors. So uh, there are some, you can watch some documentaries on it, but it, it talks a lot about uh, how um, the state has um, built Plano Piloto as a, an island, you know, a, a very um, prolific, uh, very um, uh, well-to-do island, and how it had pushed uh, to the outskirts uh, poverty, um, Brazilian blackness, and uh, um, but at the same time there was um, a space, uh, a in an, an in between space, this uh, bush, you no, know, these trees, and uh, these people they were there, they were there, they they have been there for thirty or forty years, maybe more, and they have struggled. And they have been like invisible, but as soon as they became visible to the state, they they got killed and they got murdered. And uh, yeah, so I think this story talks a lot about how um, it's different from the Indian case because here it's much more violent in the sense that uh, uh, um, those who live in Brazilian. Uh, most of us, you know, I include myself in this, uh, we work for the government. And I really think that it's very helpful if you don't uh, leave the daily controversy or the daily uh, paradox of working for a government in a, such an equal society. An equal society. So it, it, it's good for us as public employers uh, to to live in this clean environment so that we don't have to face misery, uh, we don't have to face hunger, we don't have to face people begging on the streets. So we have uh, we keep our conscience very clean and we work daily for the government without having problems, conscious problems, mm -hmm. you know, uh, which people in regular Brazilian cities live on a daily basis. You know. And some people, uh, because Plano Piloto doesn't um, have space for all these public employees and well-off people, there are also gated communities around Brasilia. So you have this um, um, sort of favelas, like I told you, Porto Sol, Son Ascente, but you have also very fancy and very violent security maintained um, uh, gated communities around Brazilian, mm -hmm. so it's it's really a lab laboratory for understanding segregation. Mm -hmm. um, so let let's talk about those um, those towns that are around Brasilia, uh, because uh, as you were mentioning, it's very easy to stay, uh, especially coming. Uh, uh, as architect, it's very easy to stay with the Plano Piloto and, and like to, to discuss about uh, uh, the Congress building or, yeah. or something very central like that. But uh, as, as you were saying, most of the population actually lives outside of, a, of the city and, and is de facto uh, uh, segregated from, from uh, especially. 
so let's talk about those other those other towns and um, and uh, even there, uh, uh, from what I read in uh, one of your articles, is that um, um, there is an incredible bureaucratic uh, procedures to follow if you actually want to to be able to uh, occupy a land, uh, and um, and uh, there's something in particular that uh, you're trying to conceptualize in this in this article. Which, which is called the, the Temple de Brasilia. Uh, and, and I'm pretty happy to talk about that because I've been, I've been, said, uh, I've been said that I'm uh, caring too much about space and not enough about time. So mm-hmm. let's talk about time. And, and this, uh, this very particular uh, uh, temple as like time and temple as music, uh, mm-hmm. almost, that, that collides together into a sort of bureaucratic... Uh, uh, criteria uh, to obtain land so uh, could you could you explain it for us please yeah um, I guess it has to do with the fact that Brasilia is um, is a new place now so uh, how do you rank in a, a system that sounds to be uh, fair people who are all of them claiming a piece of land so I think it's, uh, it's part of this history. And Tempo de Brasilia is something that uh, I did some archival research. It has been there for decades. So it's one of the criteria the state uses to rank those who are claiming for land. And usually it, is, it amounts to five years living in Brasilia. But the paradox is that if you are homeless, you and your family, and you are begging for land, if you build a shack in a not allowed piece of land and your shack is um, um, put down to earth and your things and your family is removed, uh, you don't have where to live. So lots of people, millions, I would say, here in Brasilia, they spend most of their earnings in paying a rent of a shack in the backyard of someone's house. So there is a huge movement of people who um, lead invasions, land invasions, land occupations, according to them. And, but every time they are removed, they, they, there is also a kind of a record, a kind of a file that uh, um, um, subtract, subtract from their points, from their, what they, they have uh, uh, if, they, if they are caught by the police. So it's a very complex uh, formula. So um, it talks about your life, like how many children you have, do you have any disabled children, is there any old people in your house, uh, have you been uh, part of any political movement? So, minus, no? And, uh, but uh, if you live in Brasilia for more than five years, you are like entitled to, to go through the system. And this five years, they talk about a time of deprivation. So, it's like um, a passage ritual, you know? Like, uh, if you have survived five years here without a roof, you are brave enough to go through the system. And that's just the start. It doesn't mean that if you live here for five years, you get, you, you get a house. 
it just means that you go through the system and and then um, the, you have to deal with all this uh, bureaucratic procedures all this red tape and um, you know like um, what is really um, uh, a nightmare for most of people I know with whom I, I did research is to keep all these files especially if you live in a shack and your house was put on fire uh, was set on fire as I saw many times you know, the government comes with bulldozers and set on fire houses how do you keep your papers? You know, how do you keep uh, like um, uh, papers from uh, the school your ch children went to or some papers from the hospital, some documents that testify that you have been here for five years or more. So it's really, it's really scary, this uh, regime. It's like a, a terror on paper. Mm -hmm. And it's not just in, in this um, housing area. If you look, for instance, for culture and policies for culture in Brazilian, uh, they grant uh, money, funds, for those like um, filmmakers or if you are uh, uh, an artist, an actor, they just grant you money if you have Tempo de Brasília, just if you have been here. So it's like um, a way of saying you have to be here, you have to, to grow your roots here. No, you have to you have to be stuck here mm -hmm. to, to, to get any benefit of, of this place. Which is completely paradoxical with the idea that it's a new city as well. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, it's like uh, it's new, but if you look to, to what has made this place uh, an established city in less than 50 years, you, 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 it, it, it's obvious that there were majors, uh, majors of violence uh, to keep people here, to attract people. It's like a trap, you know. But as, as soon as it uh, seems to be very peaceful, you know, it seems to be, the environment seems to be very clear, you know. Uh, you have this sh this shadow or like this uh, this smoke this smoke uh, and and most of us we we don't realize that we are living in this bubble of violence here in Brazil. And let's let's keep talking about bureaucracy, uh, both as a in in this specific case of uh, attributing land to people, uh, but also more generally and and the the absolute paradox that founds bureaucracy in the sense that it, it, it is thought by definition as a, a very objective machine is that you, you do have like those points yeah. that you earn uh, and, and uh, that should uh, inevitably leads to the results that you're hoping for which obviously anyone who had any experience of uh, uh, any bureaucratic procedure knows that it's uh, completely different and that's actually uh, an, an incredibly subjective uh, 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 machine uh, or not machine precisely uh, and um, and so in, in your article you're you're describing the specific case of, uh, of this woman who twice gets um, tips basically from from official uh, uh, official public workers mm -hmm. and 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 this idea of the, of the tip, which obviously for for this woman is a, is a, is a great chance because like she's 
she's been said when would be the right day to apply. Then she's been said that if, if she actually declares that she's not married, she has, as she's a single woman with some children, she would have a better chance to, uh, to, um, to uh, obtain the land, which, which goes even further than the tip. In that case, it's even like the, the incitation to, to, to lie, to disrupt yeah. the... To disrupt the formula. To erase her relationship. Yeah, yeah. It was with uh, to, to with uh, all the all the symbolical uh, aspect uh, consequences of, of uh, such an administrative uh, gesture. Uh, but so, can you can you maybe address that this this absolute paradox between objective the, the claim objectivity and the actual perfect embodiment of subjectivity? Yeah, I, I have been written especially on. Uh, women and bureaucracy because um, I, I try to say that there is um, uh, a kind of a, an exploitation of women's energy and time in all this uh, bureaucratic machine. So this article you mentioned, it talks about a woman who is available all the time. So, and I really think that part of uh, um, all this uh, social affair, um, social welfare policies in Brazil, like Bolsa Família, Minha Casa Minha Vida, or the programs I have studied before, they rely on women's, women's who are uh, available, who are not employed, or who are domestic servants who work like two or three times a week, but who mainly uh, have to give up their careers they have to give up any uh, hope to a better future in a personal sense to develop this uh, state subjectivity. So they have to develop this uh, sixth sense to understand what the state wants, what they want now, and to provide it. And my research talks about um, exactly how all this um, domestic life and uh, uh, houses in Brazil specifically they are built around women and there is um, something that I try to bring in my research talking about this relationship um, I try to say that the, the state uh, in its various forms is like a relative so you live with the state <laughs> the state is more than a visitor it lives with you and besides that, I try to confront some literature that talks about single women and how um, households in Brazil and in Latin America in general, they are built around uh, a single woman and the children as if um, women uh, were not uh, able men and women, women and women, you know, were not able to build a relationship like a couple. And I really think that um, I have some research on domestic violence, and I really think that one um, important um, aspect is how the state intervenes in the daily life. So um, capturing your time, your attention, um, like occupying your mind, making you as a woman very concerned about what to do, what to do to get this box of milk, what to do to get this box of food, what to do to get this house. And so 
some literature talks um, from a moral aspect about uh, poor family households. So they they are what's the word in uh, non non structure we say in Portuguese famílias desestruturadas. No? But actually, this uh, uh, non structure has to do with this broader or not broader but uh, inner structure uh, that has to do with the presence of the state in your house and sometimes it's even if you live in a shack that you built yourself with your hands the state is there but if you live in a house provided by the government this state is even more there so that, that this it talks about um, how um, person per, person is made so personhood subjectivities and that's why uh, i really think it um, uh, there is a contribution if you do ethnography in urban studies on housing policies you don't talk about uh, family and people and individuals as if they were uh, um, human beings isolated from time and space as you were saying you know mm. so you cannot um, yeah, it's like a, it's a gross uh, comparison, but it's like if you have a lover, you know, and uh, uh, your partner, so uh, you have the same time, your day has 24 hours, so a woman who lives 24 hours for the state, like mm -hmm. most of women in Brazil, they don't have time for uh, their work, they don't have time for their children most of the time, they don't have time for their relationships. So it's 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 really interesting to to focus on on how the state intervenes really on daily life. Well, what she's saying uh, reminds me of a recent conversation I had as part of the series uh, with uh, Liliana de Simone in uh, Santiago de Chile. Uh, she was explaining that um, uh, a few months ago there's been a gigantic fire in a slum in Valparaiso, so mm -hmm. the second biggest city in Chile, and. Um, and uh, obviously, since it's a slum, no, there is no administratively attributed land. So women had to make themselves available to stay where the house used to be in order to claim territory. And I suppose that's, that's me being obsessively uh, wanting to talk about space by the same time. But, but uh, it, when, yeah, you, when you say... It's when, extreme. Yeah, yeah when you, I mean, availability is, is similarly time and space because yeah. it... it we're going back to this idea of occupation of bodies, yeah. but uh, if you have to go to the to the secretary of uh, of housing or or or, or any of, of these other administrative places, once again, it is it is time, but it is also your body that your has body. to that has to occupy. And and the, the, in your article, it's very clear in the sense that there is this woman that, as you say, is always available. She go, but also like. Uh, um, uh, she's available. Not, I mean, she's she's also going at five a.m. Yeah, and, she wakes up early in the morning in yeah. the middle of the city, and then she, when she when at eight she thinks that the 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 minister will be open, then someone tells tells her what we all been hearing for administrative matter, which is, oh no, it's closed. Come back at two, and when. Most of us, little middle class people, uh, would say, "Okay, well, I'm going to sit in a cafe and, and like wait for six hours to, uh, to for the office to be open. I have a good book, so that's fine." She she's like, "Wow, I have I have like I have less than a real to to spend uh, for the next six hours. So what do I do?" And mm -hmm. and so 
uh, th there's also this this uh, this matter of again like uh, uh, I guess what what this what this uh, revealing anecdote has to do with space is the fact that she has to go from uh, the this other town to the administrative city and to go there she needs money to pay for the for the bus which is uh, very expensive mm -hmm. uh, uh, and like about a dollar fifty uh, yeah. uh, uh, and three dollars back and forth. Uh, and so there's there's also tremendous spatial uh, implication and positioning positioning of the bodies that are involved within this availability, I suppose. Yeah, if you if you, uh, I did research as I told you last year in schools. So if you go to schools, uh, you just see moms around, no? Mm -hmm. And I, I I'm not even talking about the teachers who are mostly women. And if you go to public hospitals, to public clinics, who you see there early in the morning, you know, standing on queues, women. So that, that's uh, um, really, it's like, um, if you think about um, plus value uh, in the economic sense, there is a political plus value in, in when you talk about the state and politics. So, and um, where does it come from? It comes from women's work. So it's women's energy you know, being uh, addressed to the state to fuel. It's like a fuel uh, that makes this uh, machine, this engine works. But it's completely obliterated exactly because there, there are no categories to uh, understand the, their importance, the importance of these bodies you know, um, as um, central to these policies. Well... And uh, uh, thank you so much for this conversation, which uh, tackled so many topics that I'm, I'm uh, fascinated by. And uh, it's also the, uh, I should say, it's also the eighth and final conversation part of this Latin American series, which uh, I'm, I'm hoping there. I'm hoping to come back sometimes because it's been all too short. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, thank you so much for your time. It was really, really, really interesting. Yeah, if I, if I could give you a hint, um, yeah. now it's almost um, the time the, the workers, they go home. So if you walk um, this way to, to the main X, uh, to any bus stop, you will see a different Brazilian. Mm. You know? So at this time of the day, um, lots, lots of people, black people going home. So people you haven't seen when you were walking around but they were here mm -hmm. during the entire day yeah that's uh, invisible city yeah yeah thank you so much thank you i love both yeah.